This episode of the Modern Witch Podcast is brought to you by Horticulture, a premier online event celebrating green magic in all its forms. This year, we have live and downloadable workshops by international best-selling authors and plant magic aficionados like Aaron Murphy-Hiscock, Juliet Diaz, Eva Dominguez Jr., Amy Blackthorne, Kobe Michael, Jesse Hathaway-Diaz, and me, Devin Hunter. Attendees get access to a private year-long Discord server, a digital grimoire featuring over 10 hours of additional bonus content from our presenters, and VIP access to the rare and magical plant marketplace. Horticulture happens April 23rd and 24th, with part of the proceeds benefiting the Nature Conservancy. Whether you're into herbs and the poison path, sacred gardening and ecology, rewilding your indoor space, or just want to meet other green magicians to share tips and cuttings, Horticulture is for you. Find out more at horticulture.com. That's H-O-R-T-O-C-C-U-L-T-U-R-E.com or modernwitch.com. And act now. Early bird tickets are available only until March 20th. Horticulture, a celebration of green magic in all its forms. April 23rd and 24th, presented by Modern Witch. What is that? A little bag made from the skin of a toad. Doesn't matter. She, she's tampering in dioxided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter. Hello, lovelies. Thank you for downloading was that british enough was that super fake i apologize if that was super i apologize if i offended anybody who uh is british or comes from the uk um long live the queen y'all rock speaking of um queens uh we have one of the queens of plant magic here today on the show with us of course the amazing aaron murphy hiscock and so we're gonna get to that so you know hold on tight we're we're totally gonna be jumping into that this is a long time coming kind of episode i've been like crushing on her uh which crushing which crushing on her um for quite some time so you know this was this is kind of a little bit of a dream come true just because I am a big fan, as you noticed, of plant people and plant magic and this whole like, you know, this spring, I'm just kind of serving you a bunch of plant people. And the reason for that, of course, is that I am hosting a new event called Horticulture, which you just got to hear some about. And of course, one of the featured presenters for Horticulture is Aaron Murphy Hiscock. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the event today. I'm super stoked about it, but it isn't all about horticulture. Um, however, I would highly recommend that you go check it out uh, for so many reasons. Uh, one is, if, if, if no other reason, uh, is that there is a very unique group of teachers getting together um, to present, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to be covering all kinds of stuff from uh, houseplant horticulture to uh, growing mushrooms for, for magic that, you know, not necessarily to like go on a trip, right? But like actually growing some, I don't know, some oyster mushrooms for magic. Can you do that? Fuck yeah, you can. And we're going to be talking about that kind of stuff over at Horticulture. So I hope that you do join us. Uh, horticulture, horticulture, horticulture. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over and go over a million times. 
otherwise, it's been a really busy week in the world. Uh, I just wanted to say my thoughts, my magic, my uh, my heart is with the people of Ukraine right now. And uh, if you don't know what's going on with Ukraine, just Google it. Um, it's it's uh, pretty intense stuff over there. And, and I'm trying to keep every show you know evergreen and not do things that are going to date too much. But uh, you can't be human and not feel a response when there are a people that are being invaded and a country that is being taken over by an outside force, right? So, uh, and it's, that's everywhere. Anytime it happens, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. We obviously get to see it in real time in a way that we don't get to see some of the other things that are happening. So, um, as we're watching real time, keep yourself as stress-free as you possibly can go touch some dirt, go meditate ground. Uh, life is intense, right? We're still getting through a pandemic and then, you know, there's invasion things happening and it's tax season and it's just, there's a lot going on, right? So take a deep breath. Uh, just remember who you are. Remember that you are magical as fuck and that you got this because you do and we all do and it's going to be okay. And if you have any energy to spare, instead of worrying and stressing and, and uh, going into a dark place as you scroll and you do your doom scrolling, light a candle, send some neutralization energy to the nuclear stuff that, you know, is is uh, being puffed about, send some uh, healing energy to the people who are wounded right now. There's so many ways that you can uh, lend your magic to what is going on in the way that you feel appropriate. So instead of stressing, instead of surrendering to the things that are wrong with the world, devote some time, devote some energy to the things that are good with the world, right? Because that's what we can do. All right, everybody, thank you again for downloading. Uh, make sure that you like, subscribe. You know how all of this works. That stuff really matters. Uh, and I just wanted to say I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh, everyone over at the Patreon, I will be seeing you this week for darn sure. We've got some good stuff to do. we got some catching up to do, too, which I'm really excited about. Um, otherwise, everyone, thank you so much again for tuning in. I'm Devin Hunter. We'll be right back after this break with Aaron Murphy-Hiscock. These are my cactuses. I put googly eyes on them. A lot of people are putting googly eyes on their cactuses nowadays. I think it's because cactuses are dangerous. Cactuses have pricklers that can stab you in your hands, your throat, your face. So you need to know where you stand with them at all times. The only way to know where you stand with someone is to look into their eyes, right? Normally, plants don't have eyes, so it's hard for me to trust them. Hence, googly eyes. Still, a, a good rule of thumb is don't turn your back on a cactus. Uh, Woohoo! All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to the Modern Rich Podcast. I am joined by the amazing Aaron Murphy Hiscock. Um, First of all, welcome to the show because this is your first time and you're somebody who a lot of my listeners have wanted me to get on the show for like a long time. So it's like, you know, first of all, goals, like, you know, so that's <laughs> that, that feels good. Um, but second of all, I'm a big fan. So it's, you know, all around very happy to have you here. And, um, you know, we did the reschedule game because, you know, it's podcasting and it happens a lot. Um, but I'm just, I'm grateful that you were able to reschedule to get your, you know, your life and my life together in the same place so we could do this. It's very awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm just so excited to be able to, to do this. Um, as you know, because we've discussed this before, 
I'm not big on social media. So the past couple of weeks have been pretty crazy <laughs> with the rescheduling of the podcast and yeah. the development of the new website and talking about horticulture. So yeah, this so is exciting. pretty exciting for me. Yeah. So, okay. So I totally want to, I'm going to dive into the social media stuff with you because I have the weirdest love hate relationship with social media. My listeners are like, Oh God, here we go again. But it's true. <laughs> I just have like this weird, I love it. I hate it. I actually went to Matt yesterday. Cause Matt's like the social media genius of the family. Uh-huh. And I went to him yesterday. I was like, okay, look, what is like bare minimum, the amount of time I actually need to spend on social media a day to like, you know, promote stuff, get stuff out there, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, he helped me sit down and cook because he's like, well, everybody's a little different. So he had like this little, he'll be called a little formula, but I was like, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth for it. Like I, back it back in the day, you know, I, I, hell, I grew up, there were landlines, there were answering machines. You couldn't just like direct message somebody and expect them to drop everything and get a hold of you. Like, you know, there was some distance there. There really yeah. isn't a lot of distance there these days. Yeah. So I totally understand your social media thing. I mean, if that's where it's coming from, I, for me, I like, as a back and forth, I struggle with this a lot. I love it. I hate it. I mostly just kind of feel like it's a necessary burden, you know, but yeah, what, what is it with you in social media? What's like, what's your, what's your thing? As, as a, as a person in general, I'm, I'm pretty private. I am very shy in person and I deal with a lot of people anxiety. So social media has this very interesting dual feel to it for me. One, I can actually interact with people without having to be face to face with people. It's great. But on the other hand, um, there's this weird sort of lack of boundary that ends up happening, particularly if you're an author or um, any kind of public person. Because as a reader, you connect with an author through their words and you end up feeling very close to them. You feel like you have something in common with them, with this person who really resonates with you. And so social media sort of allows that connection to happen. With a, with a public person online, you have access to their, you know, what they share about their daily lives or their thoughts. And that, that sort of boundary between they're a person with their own life and they're a person with a public life really starts getting blurred. And that's where I start getting uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, a lot of it has to do with my my people anxiety but another another part of it is i think that i find it very draining just keeping track of everything online i i have to detox a lot i have to step away because uh news majorly stresses me out because i'm an empath i'm also a cancer with a pisces moon so oh my god okay we're gonna talk about that too um (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling, so it's, it's, you don't have the bandwidth, right? Like that's how I feel most the of the time. Like, I don't bandwidth. have this for yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I just, I just resonate with what you're saying and I'm trying to process it from my own perspective because I do have, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert when I'm in like a big crowd of people, I can really flip 
into just kind of this mindset where I'm like, I don't care who sees me, let's just get it over with kind of a thing. But <laughs> when it comes to um, like the one-on-one, like people coming up to me thing, I get really, really uncomfortable with that. And, uh-huh. and, and it sucks. Cause like, I want to meet people and I want to, you know, be that, that, uh, author or podcaster, whoever people can, you know, approachable. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, as you said, you know, when you're a sensitive person, this ain't easy, no, you know, and, easy. and I tell everybody like, Hey, if, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're an empath and you can't, and you like break down every time you walk into a room, you're not a good empath. You need to go, you know, work your muscles out, you know, go build some stuff up. The flip side of that is though, we all do walk around with just this natural sensitivity. So when yeah. things are rough outside and externally, it really can cause turmoil on the inside. Very much so. And um, I think with social media, you feel like you have a responsibility to the people following you. You know, they're your readers. They support your work. They're excited about what you share with them, both in books and online. But at the same time, needing to step back because there's so much of a of a drain on the emotion, on the on the spiritual energy. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like uh, I can't I can't give what people want authors to give online, and I feel bad about that. So I, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to balance for me. Really hard. I feel that. I I I, I was just thinking that, you know, one of the things you had said in the beginning of this was, you know, these are your readers. These are people who have connected to you. And I think to add insult to injury, sometimes it's like, well, and we're also talking about witchcraft. So it's already this like strange thing that, you know, a lot of people I take for granted because I live in, you know, I live in kind of my own little witch bubble. So I take for granted how this is in so many ways, just normal for me, you know, it's not for people. And it's, you know, if you don't have somebody to talk to about it, you're reading an author's work, you're connecting to them, you know, of course, those, those uh, desire, you know, that desire to have a connection with somebody like that. I understand that. And it, it, and it hurts like me, cause I want to be more available to people, you know? And my thing has been like, okay, if you, if you message me about a book, I will get back to you. Like I will, if, you know, something I've written, I will totally get back to you. I'll find the time to do that. But if it's like, I don't know, I, I started like people started like taking pictures of the, of, like they just went out and bought an air plant. And then they take a picture of it and say, oh, Mr. Devin Hunter, do you have any tips for this? I'm like, no, I don't have tips for your air plant. And it's not that I don't want to be, you know, a dick about it, but I'm like, I, I, again, I have this limited bandwidth and it's just, I've had to become very choosy about where I throw my energy and where I don't throw my energy. And I, it does make me feel guilty sometimes because I want to be, you know, and the other thing too is, is I got into this work in many ways so that I could help people. Right. And it hurts that, you know, emotionally, because I have a Pisces moon oh. and Sag, Sag, Sag sun, Pisces moon, cancer rising. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, girl, <laughs> girl, we got to talk. Um, but yeah, so there's, you know, I'm very, I have, a, I'm very steamy. I'm very, um, there's a lot going on <laughs> on the inside. Um, and it, it, I want to be the author that, you know, people read and then they, get something that can change their life for the better. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's just, Oh, he wrote about his daily practice in this way. And that changed the way I look at it, whatever it is. It's that's, that's amazing. And of course I want to do more than that. Like, I want to, I want to sit down with you and talk about your problems because I understand life sucks. Like it ain't easy (laughs) at the same time. There's a limited bandwidth. And, and the other thing too, is when I got published, I got some really 
kind of creepy emails and messages that started to yes. come through with yes. which also really that that makes sucks you... the energy too yes. it really throws you for a loop and honestly when i when i started this whole gig uh 16 years ago was when my first book came out i think um I had I had a very rudimentary website because you know we're talking almost two decades ago. This is a while back, and we didn't have we didn't have Bookstagram, which has been so good to me. Thank you, anyone and everyone who has ever posted a photo of my books on Instagram and shared how excited they were about it, because that fills up the spiritual cup. You know, we're talking about we're talking about um, expending spiritual energy on social media, but at the same time, I do get something out of it, and I bet you do too, because getting feedback like that, seeing how many people whose lives have somehow been touched, even in just a small way, by stuff I've written, ideas I've thrown out there, that is so incredibly empowering and heart lifting. It's like, okay, I touched someone. You know, the feedback... Oh, I've, I've gone on a bit of a tangent there. But yeah. Um, no, this is discussion. I'm here for it. Continue, old, old, please. Old-fashioned social media was text-based blogs, RSS feeds. Yeah, message and, boards. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I had the rudimentary website. And yeah, the... Uh, the contacts I got, you know, I'd say about 60 to 70% of them were, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And a good 30% were um, creepy, creepy as heck, uh, or telling me that there was something I needed to do for them spell-wise. And that too is a really big misstep when we were we brought so witchcraft big. and, and oh, practicing yeah. telling someone else that you have a problem and they are the one who needs to fix it is just like it's mind-boggling like like did you did you read my book where i talk about getting someone else to do something for you is next to pointless because you have the energy you have the emotional investment in whatever the situation is that's going to make the magic go and anything I could do for you is going to pale in comparison. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's that, and explaining that over and over gets draining. But, yeah, the, the, the creepy people, with being an empath and being so ridiculously oversensitive sometimes, that got really, really hard for me to deal with. And eventually, um, about six seven years ago i just quietly folded the website i was like you know obviously i'm i'm pretty much done with all this i'm just going to stick with copy editing and and then my publisher contacted me and said hey we think it's time to reissue the green witch and my life just got thrown for a major loop <laughs> i bet i bet it's uh <laughs> Yeah. It was the time the 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 geist and the pipes was was set for it and with the new kinds of social media available, yeah, it just, I mean, the beautiful design of the books, whatever the books had to say obviously resonated with a new round of readers. 
And then the publisher went back to saying, hey, do you want to write more of these? And yeah, yeah, sure, I'd love to. So yeah, social media, it's, it's been great. It's been, it's had its challenges. And now that it's kind of a whole new ball game, I'm just dipping my toe back in. And that, a yeah, lot of that yeah. is thanks to you. Oh, well, I, you know, I was kind of mortified because I was like, oh God, oh God, she's going to have to do all this stuff because I, you know, I'd written, I'd written all the rules up about horticulture. Right. And so, <laughs> and I sent them out and I hadn't really considered that you weren't on social because you're, I see you all the time because your books are like, especially right now with me writing houseplant horticulture, I've got your books like right here. So I see you all the time <laughs> and I, and I just didn't think about it. And then I sent this out and then I, I, you know, I was talking to Matt about it and I went, oh crap, I bet she's probably like, what the hell is I get myself into with this? <laughs> and so, you know, I was a little nervous about it, but then, you know, my, 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 not to sound too hokey, but my spirit guide was like, no, 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 this is all, it's all happening for a reason. She'll let yep. you know if, if there's a problem. Went, okay. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. Um, but no, it's, it was, it's just, it, I'm excited to have you with us for horticulture for so many reasons one of which, speaking of your books, is that I I really do feel that um, your it's like you and Juliet Diaz both were writing. First of all, you're not with like the the usual witchy publishers, right? So, yep. and and that's a great thing. Um, yes. Being somebody like I'm with Llewellyn, I love Llewellyn, but I also really love what other companies do because companies have their own you know, everything, everything from the way that they want a book to look to you yeah. know, look like to, you know, just everything is different with with companies. So I really look at it like, oh, what is this, you know, what is this production house producing? Um, and so your books are just gorgeous, first of all, they? and oh, they resonate with that do-it-yourself earthy energy that I think is inherent with witches and with witchcraft. Yeah. And it it's so inviting because of that. So it, oh. it it's really great work. And you know, I'm, I'm constantly telling people, oh, no, no, no. All right. You want your gardening, you're setting your, your garden up for spring here. Go, go check this book out. And it's, it's something that I feel with the green, you know, I got into plants really young. I walked away and then I kind of found myself coming back to it later on. And especially with the pandemic and stuff like, oh, yeah. I went nuts. Um, be, you know, for me, it was this way of rewilding my life, right? I, I can't go outside. So I'm going to bring the outside in. Yes. And I think so many of us did that, but there are people who've been doing this forever, right? Yeah. Who've been looking at that uh, magic from that way, uh, you know, for that perspective for much longer than I, you know, I would have been doing it. Mm -hmm. I've, I've only been here for 35 years. There are, his, there's a history to this. Definitely. There's a history to not just plants and magic and how all that relates, but there's traditions behind it. And what I love about your books are that it strips away what you know, what I hear from people a lot of, oh, this is a lot of work or, yeah, I don't understand why I have to do X, Y, Z and, and put all this <laughs> stuff together. It's your book really goes into the, your books really go into the stuff and explains it in a way that, again, it's really approachable. So I think what you did, you know, as you said, you know, the, the geist was in the pipes at the right time. I think, you know, with the pandemic and with the stuff hitting the way that it did, people were obviously started to look for those green answers. Yeah. Um, and your books, allowed it to, you know, not only for the answer to be found, but in this inviting way that I think in a lot of ways, like I know I read in the first, I read Green Green Magic, Green Witch and Green Witchcraft, open this book up, get to the very end, 
I was talking to Matt because he's like, oh, it sounds like something you'd be into. And I'm like, it's totally something I'm into. This is amazing. <laughs> um, and, and it's so beautiful. And, da, 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 da. and I wanted to go do green magic afterwards. You know, and I look at plants all day long. I am, you know, like I, I, so there's something to it. Like I'm not, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I keep saying this, this season, I'm not blowing smoke up. This is the season I get to talk to all the people I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time. So I'm all excited. Um, But it's true. You, what, what I think is really important with magical books is that they make stuff accessible without stripping away the magic. Yes. And a lot of the times if it's accessible, it's almost too accessible, you know, like there's, you know, it's oversimplified. It doesn't really feel like it gets to the guts of what you're trying to do. Yeah. So Um, did that happen? Like when you approached writing, like, cause you've, we've got a couple books out now. So when you got to the first one, so obviously you were like kind of at a different stage in your life and the book came out and then it gets reprinted. What changed for you? Bef- you know, between those printings as, as a witch, as a, as an author. That's that- a great question. Oh, that's a really great question. Um, there was a lot of growing in there. Um, personally, spiritually, family wise. Um, I moved a couple of times. I had two kids. Uh, my husband changed careers at least once, possibly twice. Um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, uh, which has had a major impact both on my physical health and my mental emotional health, uh, because it stops me from having a lot of energy to do, well, pretty much anything. Um, practice-wise, I got further away from the more formal practices that I was, I was engaged in as a younger person. As I got older and had less time, because of course I have this family that I have to deal with, I couldn't, I couldn't set aside the time to set up a nice complicated ritual or um, a spell that needed to sit in one place for an extended period of time uh, to slowly unfold, I had to learn to do things on the fly. I had to learn to do things with zero prep. I had to deal with situations that would suddenly spring up. And while I was dealing with it in the mundane sense, I also had to roll with it spiritually and say, okay, what magic can I pull in here to support what I'm doing in the, in the physical world? So my personal practice really sort of shifted from a more formal setup to a really woven into every moment of my life. I often don't consciously do magic anymore because it's happening anyway. And you know, you could argue that because you're not doing it consciously, your focus isn't necessarily there, and perhaps your results aren't going to be as clear. But at the same time, I think I can counter with an argument that if you are constantly in contact with the flows of energy through your life, which is something that I, I try to outline in my books and say, look, if you keep your fingers on the pulse of what's happening around you, you can avoid most trouble before it shows up. So if you've got your fingers on that pulse, you know what's going on. 
you don't have to do something major to make a change. You can just sort of do a little tweak in the background and it goes off and does what you need it to do. So it's funny, I think if somebody followed me for say a week, which would freak me the heck right out, but if somebody watched me live for a week, they would probably go away very confused and and say to someone that's that's she's not a witch she's not doing anything but that's because so much of it happens internally and i know that what happens internally affects what's going on around me just as much as i am extremely aware that what goes on around me affects me internally because you know <laughs> cancer sun pisces moon empath oversensitive so, yeah. so my practice has really become so intuitive. And that's something that I really try to get across in my books. Like, look, I can, I can give you a list of correspondences, and sure I will, because everybody wants one in a book. But what's more important than correspondences that are generally applicable are the correspondences you create in your own life as you practice. If you try something and it doesn't work, you get to sit down and pick it apart and go, okay, well, why didn't that work? Oh, because I can look back and I can see that every time I use orange in a spell, it goes completely wrong. I don't resonate with the color orange. And that is so much more important than me looking at somebody's list and saying orange. Okay, well, that's success or whatever. So again, the intuitive aspect of it, being able to reach out to the energies around you and feel them and respond to them and know that they're doing the same to you and your energy at all the time. I mean, I know I wrote The Green Witch like 16 years ago. But so much of it is doubly applicable to what I do today. And I find that really, really interesting. It's almost like I was writing it to the future me, saying that, okay, all the, all the stuff in the, the 1990s books that had all these elaborate Celtic-based, you know, rituals and stuff, you're not going to need that because your personal path goes in a very, it, it, it pulses with a very different beat. And I think, I think that's, that's what surprised me most. Because at the time when my first child was born, I was really mourning the loss of having that ability to immerse myself in magic and ritual and meditation. I lost all time for that. But what happened as a result was I learned that weaving my magic and my daily life together was what I had been meant to do all along. I love that. I love, I feel that I, um, before I was moving out to California, I was living in Ohio and I had all of this witchcraft stuff that I had like accumulated over the years. And there was no way I was going to be able to take it out to California with me. 
I literally had to like shove my entire life in a duffel bag kind of a thing. Mm. And um, I went to uh, a friend of mine at the time and I said, Hey, do you want any of this stuff? Like this, let me give it to you. And she said something along the lines of, um, Oh, I don't need that. I don't, I don't cast spells. I don't need to cast spells anymore. <coughs> Pardon me. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, that's arrogant, you know, like, <laughs> just, all right. Um, you know, and, and I think whether whatever, however true that statement was or wasn't over the years, what I have learned about myself is that I don't really cast a lot of spells. Yeah. And part of it is, and I was just talking to Whiskey Stevens about this, but I I don't like to, and this is going to sound so arrogant, but let me explain. I don't like to accept failure in my magic. So what I mean by that is, just like you were saying, you know, oh, you do this spell and it says, you know, burn an orange candle, spell doesn't work. You go back and you ask, well, why didn't it work? And that's my whole thing with magic. And I think this is the missing piece that witches yes, um, yes, yes. don't take is, well, why? Like I'm Mr. Get out your, tar- your tarot cards, ask the cards why your spell didn't work, you know, <laughs> um, figure it out, ask them what you can do to make it work. And then you do it again. You know, I have stopped ritual with 300, over 300 people um, at a big conference because I didn't feel the energy. And I was like, well, if I'm not feeling it, I know y'all ain't feeling it. So why are we here? You know, and so I'm I'm all about like, take your stuff, view it, be subjective about it. Um, try to be as much of a mad scientist as you possibly can. Have an, a, a hypothesis. If, if you know, your experiment works, do it again. Yes. And, you know, those and are the things. It. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's the, that's how I live my life by. So, you know, for now, I'm to the point where like, I'll cast a spell if there's something that really, if there's a mountain that needs to be moved, I will cast a spell. And I think the last like time, I mean, you know, I do little things here and there. If somebody needs healing or whatever, I'm totally all there for it. But I think the last time I really broke us like any candles out or anything was to do, um, uh, you know, aside, aside from the healing and the spiritual stuff, uh, but for like, as far as like a spell for like, you know, me, I, uh, we were in the middle of the pandemic and there was a, um, I was bitching about this on Twitter. There was a shortage of switches, like the, yes. the game console. <laughs> yep. I was complaining about it because I was like, all I wanted, I wanted one for Christmas. I didn't, I wasn't able to get it because they were sold out. And then here we are in the pandemic. My other gaming console broke and I am a game person. I like to game. So I was like, I've got nothing to game on and we're in the middle of a pandemic. This is horrible. Uh, and so I was complaining about it on Twitter. And it was really just uh, in, in that commiserating as a consumer kind of way complaining about it. Yeah. But then some smart ass said, well, you're a witch cast a spell. And then I realized, Oh shit, I totally just got called out. And if I don't do this with as much as I've been complaining, like people are going to say something. So I cast a spell to get a switch really because I was like, well, you know, of course I have to like, you know, I've been saying this all the time. And then I got two, which was great. So like, <laughs> It all, I mean, it, it really worked out fantastically, but it was this whole thing of like, I just don't do them a lot because my life is built to be magical all the time. Like yes. there are magical components everywhere. So when I walk into my room there, because of the way that, you know, my office, because of the way that this room is constructed and because of the energy in the space and the things that I've done in this room, you know, it's a ritual space. So when I come in here, it it is a magical experience. I am like stepping into the space. exactly, and yeah. so it to me. I also think the other flips that my this isn't me sharing maybe oversharing my gnosis with you, but the other thing was um, 
you know, my, my, I, I worship the goddess of witches, goddess mm-hmm. Diana, and she doesn't care what the fuck anybody does as long as they're practicing magic. She just wants you to go cast a spell. She doesn't care. And so I am um, working with her and, and, and I was struggling with this and I thought, oh, my daily practice sucks now. And I don't do all the things. And remember when we used to go out into the, the forest and, you know, and I'd call you through the trees and da, 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 da. And she was like, well, yeah, but that's what magic looked like when you were a teenager. Yes. That's what magic looked like when you were in that stage in your life. That's not what magic looks like now. Magic looks like this now. And that was like this, oh shit. Oh, okay. Yep. You know, and and to have that perspective uh from, you know, in my case, this this divine being who I felt um I owed something to, right? Um, oh, I, I feel obligated if I don't do all my, my, my new moon stuff. And if I don't do all the full moon stuff, and if I don't say these sacred prayers, I know, no, that's not, that's not what magic looks like for you in your life right now. And that's okay. And I needed those things. Oh, I so needed to have that exposure and those practices because that's what helped me build this relationship with this divine being that I have now, um, who's giving me permission in many ways to just take a break. It's okay. Just, you know light a candle, say my name. It's cool. Uh, you know, it took that really intense, hardcore practice of, of, you know, the rituals and, you know, all of that stuff to make it happen. And I think for me, I, you mentioned the, 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 the Celtic stuff and the Celtic influence. And for me, it's like the nineties were so huge on the Celtic invasion that had happened. And I, I think about it a lot. Um, as is really it was like white people suddenly realized that we had we had like tribal roots because it had been kind of bred out of us you know in in Mm -hmm. our culture Mm -hmm. and then suddenly and i I honestly think it was a a kind in some ways uh, a response to um african americans here uh you know finding their their roots and their cultural history and then wearing those that you know those colors and that imagery and, and really bringing that out i think white people were like but but we we have tribal stuff too and so like that's you know this this really funny thing that i i look back on and i'm like i can see this this thing kind of floating not the way that it did i think it's all beautiful don't get me wrong but what i do notice is that in that celtic invasion things be were very very specific uh with the books that were being written and you know about witchcraft and spirituality and um, and it was very, you know, I think one thing that's beautiful about Celtic spirituality is how spiritual it is. And I don't think people really understand that. Like it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's a very spiritual, the, the Celtic people are incredibly, incredibly spiritual. Um, and they've always yeah. been, always yes. have been. And so um, there, that can be intimidating for people, um, you know, when it's, you step especially into Especially since it really... I mean, a lot of the 90s stuff was very superficial, but if you sit down with primary sources, you can learn so much more. And and that was a disconnect, I feel, that happened in the 90s with this sort of Celtic revival neo thing that happened. Was uh, absolutely. We just sort of got a surface reflection through all the books. So So there was this wonderful new age sort of blooming of celtic based practice but there was just so much more it's it like literally the tip of the iceberg and what's underneath the water is big and heavy and extremely um i uh how am i gonna put this spiritually heavy 
there's there is a lot of stuff that when you start reading primary sources as best you can you're like oh oh and you have to do a whole bunch of work on your own of okay well what does this mean symbolically how could i connect it to other primary sources it takes work and and that's witchcraft something... isn't work yeah, no i just light a candle and throw some herbs and then i get what i want and like no <laughs> you this this is a practice through which you improve the self whatever that looks like to you you improve the self from the inside out you become a better person um and if you're not gonna put the work in to do it, it you're gonna be disappointed. This is not what I meant when I said I wanted to watch Jumanji. The world is full of magic. And here at Datura Trading Company, we take that sort of thing seriously. Let's check on Jimmy as he enters his seventh hour of assembling his new IKEA cabinet. Go in your hole. What's wrong, Jimmy? You seem stressed. I have been trying to get this assembled all day and have a big meeting in the morning and I'm pretty sure my boss has been bitten by a werewolf. Wait, what? Your boss is turning into a monster? Yeah, he scheduled it for 7 a.m. That's horrible, Jimmy. It sounds like you should have gone to DaturaTrading.com before this got out of hand. Isn't that the place that used to be the Mystic Dream? Why would I go there? Because they sell the best ethically sourced crystals and minerals that can help with anything from stress management to werewolf evasion. Nah, crystals aren't really my thing. They also have specialty made candles, oils, incense, and bath and body products made with the finest of ingredients from all over the world by occultists who know their shit. You son of a bitch, I'm in. And don't forget about the rare and magical plants. They even participate in the Save Our Species program to help conserve endangered plant species from going extinct in the wild. Well, that's really nice, but why would I want a rare or magical plant? Why? To go inside that new cabinet you just finished, of course. Aha! Got it. Take that, you Scandinavian designer who doesn't like right angles. Wait, how did you know I was finished? Because I'm the narrator, Jimmy. I see everything. <laughs> I see... Everything. Don't forget to check the latest details at DaturaTrading.com. Sterling silver is on sale all holiday season. Werewolves hate silver, Jimmy. And remember, don't look at him in the eyes. That's how they steal the souls of your grandchildren. Bye bye Jimmy. Until wait, next wait. time. Can you help me lift this up? DaturaTrading.com, the home of esoteric essentials and beautiful design. Proud sponsor of Modern Witch. Without question, every time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it just is what it. Yeah, it's and nodding I, I, at each other. Yes, yeah, yes. like yep, yep. That's that's this is this is the number one problem. Um, it, it's one of those things where I feel like as we are, I don't know. I I, I kind of think of it as a marker for just where you're at with your maturity level with the craft, and yeah. um, and it's not. 
and I don't want anybody to rush this. Like, so don't think yes. it literally is this thing that just kind of happens one day. Yep. Um, but you, you just, the relationship you build with your spiritual life becomes something that's so organic because you've laid these foundational things and because you have those connections um, that you're able to look at like that source material and you're able to draw from it and put it in a modern context because you have the foundation that's there. And, you know, for me, it's, I don't know. I feel like we spend, hello, Mr. Modern Witch and all this, but I feel like we spend a lot of time or we did as a, as a magical culture trying to recreate or reignite some sort of spark that existed in, you know, our, our ancient cultures. And there becomes this emphasis that's placed on doing things in this way. And I'm like, not to be a dick about it, but I'm like, okay, well, if, if this was this perfect system and that needs to be rebuilt and other why did it fail to begin with? Like, why didn't it last in the, you know, in that way? Why are you wanting to duplicate everything that the Druids did? Like, why is this like, you know, and, and it's, if it's because you want to connect to a tradition that, um, you know, you feel in your blood or, you know, what that's all fine, but to make it, um, to emphasize the importance of it as like the end all be all really grinds my gears, uh, yeah, especially when, point. yeah, 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 it, it misses totally the point. Misses and- point. This is this is one of the th- things I really felt when I wrote The House Witch. Uh, Hearthcraft is very close to my heart. Um, I really strongly... Hey, Cancer Sun again. I really strongly feel that <laughs> your home is your, your anchor. It is your place of... It's a place you retreat to. It's the place you emerge from which means it should be as spiritually fulfilling and nurturing as possible. So, you know, looking at a lot of the old Celtic practices, like s'moring, banking the fire for the night, and then bringing it up again in the morning, like, okay, so we always have that fire. It never technically goes out. How can we, how can we look for echoes of that in our modern lives? Like, rather than recreate it, look at the resonances and say, how would it work in today's society? Because just making a copy of it isn't going to work. People change. The, the, the vibration, the, the flow of energy has completely shifted. You know, it's been centuries. You can't do the same thing again. It's not going to work. Uh, the way we think, the way we work, the way technology has changed, it's all different. So taking an idea and then looking to, into your current life, the modern world, and saying, how can I apply that to what's going on today, I think is a lot more fulfilling than just trying to recreate something as it was, because it's not going to fulfill a modern need. Well, and to me, not just that, I mean, if we, you know, so many people are, are focused on deity worship and um, developing those divine relationships. And I think that's fantastic. But at the same time, it's like, if you're trying to just reconstruct things from an ancient world, you're not allowing this, this deity or the spirit that you work with to live in our modern world. Yes. You're not making space for it. Like, you know, there's this whole thing about um, like the internet and, and it being this new, you know, spiritual thing. And I'm like, well, I think the, 
the spiritual uh, paradigm is is new, but I don't think the energy behind it is new at all. You know, the, the communication and the ability to, um, uh, you know, not just send messages to each other at a blink of an eye, but if you think about it, like, I, I mean, the internet is literally the messenger of the gods at this point, yeah. you know? And so sure. it's like, well, why wouldn't it be Mercury or why wouldn't it be one of those energies that's just yeah. evolved? We evolved. Why can't the gods evolve? And yes. I think that's the thing that kind of, those are the things that grind my gears, you know, so to speak, when um, I start talking with people and I'm like, no, we just like, at the end of the day, do what you want to do. As long as you feel fulfilled, who gives a crap? Like as long as you're hurting people and everyone's consensual, fantastic. Right. Um, I don't care. I don't, you know, if you care, you got other problems, you know, like, <laughs> like there are things to worry about. So, you know, I'm all about people doing their own thing. I take offense when it's, there's a rigidity that's there. And yes. I, cause I'm like, well, how on earth do you make this yours? Like, cause you're not even, it, at one point I realized, and when I was younger, you know, cause I'd gone through my, my solitary phase and then I go into the, well, in order to be a legitimate, witch, I need to go get initiated in a tradition, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I did all that stupid stuff. And, and it was stupid because it was waste of time. And it was waste of energy. And, and I'm, you know, I am who I am. I got third out, you know, and it's made me who I am today, but I can, right. I can definitely say there were red flags, you know? Right. Um, and one of those red flags was not a, the, the propensity to not have an authentic practice that is built on what my life looked like. Right. It was, instead it was, I was practicing in these covens and these traditions as I'm training with these other people, I was expected to do magic that did not relate to my life whatsoever in any way, shape or form, just so I could kind of check off, you know, the, the tick the boxes on, you know, and whatever lesson plan it was. And it, none of it felt real. None of it, none of it stuck with me. Like I remember what I had to read, but I don't remember why I had to read it. I don't remember, you know what I mean? So it's like the things just don't stick. They don't stay in the same way. And when at the end of the day, it's like, well, for me, my, my craft is so built on the psychic and it's so built on spiritual experiences and, and mediumship that I don't know what it would be like if I hadn't been encouraged to go and explore that and create that for myself. Like, I don't know what my witchcraft, I, I would feel very shallow. I feel like my witchcraft would be a very shallow practice. Um, if, it, if it wasn't spirit driven. So it's weird for me when I'm like, you know, I, I get it in the first, I don't know, five, five years or so. Like I get that um, not having a, you know, a, a, an understanding or a kind of a direction with that. But I feel like at some point, once you really take on this work seriously in any way, shape or form in capacity, something shifts inside of you. And it's like your, the way you approach things shifts the way that you, um, want to, you know, it's not about making yourself fit into witchcraft anymore. It's about making witchcraft fit into your life. And that I think is that there's this, this little button that gets pushed in people. And it's like, you suddenly wake up one day and go, I'm a witch. Everything I do is magic. So let's, let's approach things in this way. And when that happens, it's fucking beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful, empowering things to see like that light go off in somebody's face. And then you realize like you, like this person is a force of nature. God help us all. You know, (laughs) that is fantastic. And that's the stuff that like gets me up in the morning. Um, It keeps making me want to do this. It's just witchcraft saved my life. I I truly, I say that all the time. And I I feel very much that um, my ability to be a, a functioning adult um, who pays his taxes and, you know, can be part of society in the way that I am. All of that is solely dependent on witchcraft. Like it really was. And so I feel like with me, witchcraft 
is this wonderful extension of who I am in this life. And I, I couldn't, you know, break away from it. And even if I, and I tried, Oh Lord, did I try? Um, but no, 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 this is where we're at. This is the game. This is how it's going. So for anybody to, to, for any of that rigidity to be there in any capacity, that was, um, anything I couldn't fluff off would just be mind numbing for me. You know, like I have to go do my own thing. I have to. I think, I mean, I'm in total agreement with you. At the same time, though, I think having a having a, a context for some people, like the the working within a coven or within a tradition, gives them a scaffolding through which they can explore and and feel supported. And I'm not saying that one way is better than the other. I'm just saying that different people have different ways they need to practice right. in order to get that spiritual fulfillment. Absolutely. So I am, I'm very glad that traditions and covens exist for, for that very reason. Um, when <laughs> my, my personal coven, bless them. Um, we focus more on arts and crafts than anything else. We are all very creative magically and, so, you know, if we do get together and do something, it will be very much uh, setting up the space spiritually and then the equivalent of passing out the crayons and the construction paper and the scissors and we do magic. But when um, when it comes to the lessons, you know, very, very often, you know, I'll have students kind of burying their hands in their hair and saying, I don't get it. Why are we doing this? Like, I have no personal connection to it. It's like, ah, but you didn't know you didn't have a personal connection to it until you tried it. And and that's one of the things I think is valuable about working with other people and actually having a, a some sort of set curriculum, whatever it might be. You try things you might not otherwise have tried and you get to say, okay, that doesn't work for me. Or alternatively, you get a one of those little eureka moments it's like wow i never would have tried this but this gave me a very interesting experience now i'm going to journal the heck out of it and pick the experience apart and try to figure out what it was and how can i apply it to other things in my life and i think that kind of thing is really valuable because it does give you the training to later on branch out on your own and be able to experiment. Um, not even later. I mean, I've, I've had this argument with so many people. Yes, you can practice on your own and practice in a coven at the same time. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. If what you do in a group environment fulfills you in one way, and what you do as a solitary on your own, your own time fills you in a different way, that's great. Um, yeah, you'll come across instances where the, the two practices don't jive uh, energetically. And in that case, you've, you've got to figure that out. Um, but having, having that sort of, it's, 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 like, it's like being in high school and you're doing labs in chemistry and you're, you're learning about the scientific theory and your hypothesis and then you do, an, you do a, a lab experiment and then you record your findings and you say, okay, well, what happened here? 
but doing it on your own without having the, had the teacher there saying, hey, this is how we do it, could be could be disappointing in a lot of different ways. And disastrous. And yeah. disastrous, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm absolutely not saying that practicing in a group is better. I'm just saying that for some people, that's going to give them the support and the courage they need to do that experimentation. And it's funny, I'm, I, I really sound like I'm coming out on the side of Covens, and I, I'm a big solitary person. <laughs> no, I mean, I... I my whole thing is that um, it's all about why you approach the coven. So like I, you know, yes. I belong to three different covens right now and I've mm -hmm. initiated into a bunch of other, blah, 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 yeah. muckety muck stuff. The, I, I love coven work. Like, I think that it, it it's super important. The flip side of it though, is, is that like, in my case, I went looking for validation in the eyes of other mm. people. That is why I joined a coven because a uh. witch who had personal gnosis or a witch who, you know, I was a psychic kid. I witchcraft yeah. was second. It wasn't even say it was just nature to me. So I would find, you know, I'd end up in these conversations with people who were five times my age and they would like default to me in the conversation. And I didn't know why. And um, and then I would try to, you know, insert my opinion into something. And then suddenly, you know, well, you weren't initiated. And so to, then because like where I grew up, that was that was just the culture of yeah. of paganism, I guess. Yeah. And so I went looking for that validation. It wasn't internal. It was completely external. So I went into it for the wrong, I went to come and work for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I found great stuff and I've continued that stuff in my life. But I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, whatever you can pour into your foundation, that's going to yes. make it stable, do it. Yep. Like Absolutely. just do it. So, you know, I, 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 Still to this day, I, every year I find a teacher and I still take at least three, you know, two or three classes a year um, in different subjects in spirituality or a comparative religion or whatever, just to keep myself new information coming in, keeping myself, you know, pumped with, with uh, new practices and things like that. But that also comes from this, this strong desire to build the, the strongest foundation I possibly can for my practice and to have as many uh, have, have the capability to have as many viewpoints and perspectives, not just with my magic, but with how my magic is going to manifest itself in the world. Absolutely. And I think that's the other part of it, right. Is, is kind of, you know, getting out of your own way and understanding when you need to build a bridge or light one, you know, light one on fire or whatever, you know, to make your magic happen. Um, so I, you know, I think it, whatever you got to do, I, I'm not the police. And I think anybody who tries to police this stuff is, is just nonsensical. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it, and it depends on the coven. Cause I, I have steered very far away from covens and traditions that do not allow, which I don't know how you can control this exactly, but do not allow their practitioners or their members to have a practice outside of the coven work. I think that's oh, insane. Yeah, that's, toxic. that's super yeah. toxic. Um, so as long as we're not like, going into that place like i don't care like do what you oh, want to do you know just don't, don't hurt anybody make sure the consent is a thing like all of that's important um but you know but it's true like coven work isn't for everybody i also know witches who they if it weren't for their coven they would have no practice because yes. they you know they live in a, a life that just that's the way it is mm -hmm. and so you know no judgment like not everybody needs to be aaron murphy hiscock and everybody needs to be devin hunter and everyone needs, needs to be writing books on this and you know 
quitting their day job to do that. You know, like this is not the life for everybody. Like, don't, you know, don't get me wrong people, but it's, um, it, it really is your journey. And it's yeah. like, well, what do you need in this life? Yes. And what do you need in this moment? And if your coven is, is healthy, though, those members and that, that work will be there to support that. And that's my kicker with everybody is that like, you know, if you're in a tradition, make sure and you're in a, you're in a coven, it has to, you have to have right relation there. Like it, yes. it can't be, you're devoted to the coven and you give, 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 give. Definitely. Fuck that. Yeah. Like not happen. Right. And so, and that's one of those parts. So there's like, you know, for all of the problems that covens can have and, you know, all of the stuff there, there are, there is the beautiful stuff. There is the, um, I I've learned so many techniques for grounding and centering myself in different, like, you know, planes of being because of my traditional practices that, you know, as a psychic, this is the, the, the work that I do. Like if I wouldn't have had that foundation, psh, I'd be, God knows where I'd be like, honestly, you know, like I, I have a very active mind. God knows where I'd be if I hadn't learned the 15th for the 15th time, how to ground myself. Right. Because that 15th time was different and I learned something new and thank God my teacher was there, you know? Um, so we all have those moments that I think that, that, you know, comparing it to a lab, I think is really great. That idea that like, well, you know, you, things might go boom and what happened. And then you want to know not only why it went boom, but like, how do you keep it from happening again? You yeah. know, and then if things do go boom, is there somebody to help you pick up the pieces? Yeah. That's hard too. Yes, so it is. I feel and, it. and that is one of the one of the, the drawbacks about working alone. If you don't have a a group around you that can offer you that support when things go wrong and you can't figure out why you can really feel like you've lost that control over your life that witchcraft and magic in general can give you. Um, and, uh, and that can be a pretty dark time trying to figure out why, why the world isn't responding to you in a way that you're used to, why you have to try to learn almost like learn a new language to try to interact with the energies around you. And that's only happened to me once. And uh, again, I don't think it was a result of magic I did. I think it was the result of how I was criticizing myself in my practice. Um, and in a situation reminiscent of the one you talked about with, with your deity, um, I felt like I was majorly letting my deity down. And I ended up blocking myself. I got in my own way, you know, to use your term from before. And it took me about two or three years to figure out how to get out of it and how to get going again um, with a different foot forward, as opposed to leaning on what I had been doing all along. Um, which is kind of, kind of like, you know, if you've, if you've coasted all the way through high school, and then you hit university and it's a totally different ball game and you can't coast anymore. Um, something like that. Like you, I, I kind of had to scramble and figure out a new way to approach things, a new way to parse things and a new way to interpret them. And, and that was a challenge. That was a challenge. And that happened between 
writing Greenwich and um, the original edition of House Witch, and then working on um, protection spells and Greenwich Grimoire and the and the Witch's Book of Self Help. Uh, <laughs> which is forever going to be, I think, my most ironic of books, because I wrote that book at a very difficult time in my life. Well, actually, just as I was coming out of this, this sort of blockage, and um, both my body and my mind and my spirit said, sit down. You, you need to step back from everything you're doing you need to take that time in order to heal and in order to create the new relationships with the world around you that are actually going to nourish you instead of drain you dry. And um, that was how many years ago now? Three, four, maybe even five. I don't know. Time time is weird. I mean, the well, especially past now. couple of years are just yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm a much stronger person now. Um, my, my standards for myself have had to change. They've had to shift. Um, and accepting that was difficult for a while. I still have trouble. I still have trouble realizing that I can't do everything. Um, just cause I was able to do it a certain number of years ago doesn't mean that I have to do it now because life is asking different things of me now. And Absolutely. Yeah. being, being able to hear what life is asking of me and respond to it in some way is very humbling. It's very humbling because as people, we have a tendency to kind of go along going, I, I know exactly what's happening here. I know exactly what's happening. And then you, you trip and, um, and the universe kind of goes, um, you, you, you might want to take a second look. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I think too, like, reflection. I think too, you, you just from, knowing my own process and knowing other people's process. Um, there's once you, I, I think once you take on the mantle of being a writer um, and you get published, I think the universe does present things to you after that moment in a way that is basically saying, look, we're going to throw some new stuff at you. And because you are in a position where you can get the message out, and because you have experienced these things before, we're going to throw all this at you so you can build a new a new thing that you can share with other people. And you're going through all this, yes, because you need to go through it. But the flip side of it is like the we're going to make some lemonade out of these lemons. It's that you as the author, as the teacher, as the witch are in a place where you can take all of these pieces. And maybe that includes some research that you have to do because you're not exposed to something before and you have to go find something else out. And this could all be, you know, it, it, all good things, I think, in my life have come from trying to help other people and then me getting something amazing out of it, right? Like new information or some some piece of wisdom that I, oh, I wish I would have had 10 years ago, you know, that kind of a thing. And I, I so I think, you know, when you when you when you're an author, we are presented with life experiences that 
force us to, in many ways, gain new perspective, grow in ways that we just wouldn't have otherwise so that the book could be written the way the book needed to be written. Um, and I don't think it's, it's a, one causes the other thing. I think it's a, um, one attracts the other kind of a thing. And, um, you know, in my experience, it was very, I, I like the witch's book of mysteries was, one of the hardest things to write for me. And it was really because it was like, mm. how do I take all this deep trippy spiritual shit that I do? And, you know, when it comes to like ascension and, you know, just stuff that's just like weird, just weird witchy stuff, right? Like it's even weird for witchies to talk about. Uh, how do I write about all this stuff? And um, in a way that, you know, it's going to be approachable. And, and to do that, I had to do a bunch of research and I had to connect other dots so that I could explain the narrative to people in a way that would make sense for them, right? Take the internal and make it external. And so, you know, I think I, I think a lot of us have had those experiences. And I think that it also can lead to that outsider syndrome thing. Like we, I talk a lot about this with other authors, just that feeling of like imposter syndrome or being an outsider. Yeah. It's like, no, no, that's, you literally are doing the work and this is what it looks like. And that's why it feels weird because we're, we're presented a different image of what it looks like when it works, but then image is an illusion. And so this is what it looks like when it works. And it's, it can be confusing for us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really powerful thing, Aaron. I, I think that's a very, very powerful thing. And I think that's when we know spirit is really behind us, you know, is when we feel those blockages and we have to work through them and we have to, um, even in our own writings and the things that we're writing about, you know, and then what comes out of that, fantastic. And I mean, seriously, like how many people have, did you, were you able to help with your experience? Like the stuff that you were going through and that ended up working its way onto that book. How many people are going to have an adjusted protocol now because yeah. of what you wrote about. Yeah, right? that's, like, that's, that's a powerful. really great way of, of putting it. You know, the, the fact that we're, we're doing that, the, the experimentation, we are working through the experience, the process in order to be able to reframe it for other people so that they can have an idea of how to, how to process it themselves. So that they have an example to refer to and say, okay, well, this person did it this way. They got through it. Let me see how I can do it. I could try their techniques. If they don't work, maybe I can try something different. And, and I think if I want to be known for anything, I think maybe that would be the thing that would make me happiest. Knowing that if somebody reads my material, comes out of it going, you know what? I can trust myself. I can trust my own process and know that it is valid. I think, I think I would consider that a success. Total success. Absolutely. I mean, that's like, that's goals, right? Like that yeah, is, right? that is goals. And it, it should be for everybody. Like it, it should just be, we are able to move into a place of confidence through experience. And um, when you are able to read, you know, things from people who have experiences that helps us condense that, that our own experience, right. It helps us process our own experiences. So I, I think it's great. I, I love it. I love your, I, again, I, your, your approach and the way that you write is very helpful. It's very like, okay, well, 
let's get this done. You know, like it's, it's, it's just, it's not a lot of, of um, mental gymnastics. It's not a lot of, of unnecessary fluff, right? It's just, this is the stuff. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is how it can help you. And I love it. And I, I think that it's, it's really refreshing in a, in a world where, you know, books are being written by algorithms. <laughs> All right. And that just about does it for this episode of the Modern Witch Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't worry, there is a part two and that'll be coming out next week. So make sure that you have liked and you have subscribed to the show. Um, usually our interviews go pretty long and we reserve um, the stuff that ends up, you know, kind of left out. We give those over to the Patreon folks so that they can hear the whole interview. Uh, this time, however, I'm just splitting it in half and because there's just so much that we talked about. There was so much... Um, we really didn't get to until the second part of the show that I even intended to get to in the first part of the show, but she's so easy to talk to. Um, and you might've noticed that I sounded like I smoked a pack of cigarettes. That is because I had just woken up. Uh, we have a time difference. That was part of the reason you heard me say that we had to reschedule and all of this stuff. There was this time difference because she is on the other side of the continent, quite literally in Canada. So it was this whole thing worked out though. Uh, and so I was so happy that, that it did work out. But as I was editing the show, I was like, I sound like I smoked a pack of cigarettes right before I jumped on the interview. Um, so that did not happen. I was just really groggy and drinking my coffee still. So uh, thank you so much to Aaron Morphy Hiscock for making it happen. Uh, thank you for checking out Horticulture. And you can just go to modernwitch.com if you want to find the easy access the, to, to get right to Horticulture because it is a modern witch thing. And it is something that we're putting on here. Uh, otherwise, I just want to give my love to everyone again for downloading. Thank you so much for taking the time to bring me into your life for the, you know even just a little over an hour every week. That's pretty amazing. Uh, you rock, and I appreciate that. So thank you so much, everybody. Uh, again, stay strong, stay grounded. Uh, remember that it is far better to do something with that anxious energy than just fester. All right, everybody, I'll see you next week. There are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces.